Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. After seeing Emily Blunt in movies like Devil Wears Prada, Girl on the Train, and most recently in Into the Woods, you would never guess that a childhood stutter helped this actress stumble into acting. In fact, without a speech problem, she might have never become one of Hollywood's leading ladies. Dealing with a stutter is not easy, and roughly 3 million Americans are affected by stuttering, including not only Emily Blunt, but other household names such as Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, and even Ed Sheeran. Now, Emily Blunt is a big supporter and an activist for the American Institute for Stuttering, being living proof that your struggles do not have to define you. Instead, you make them work for you. Today, I'm here with Christy Soriano, a speech pathologist and clinical director of speech over at JFK Johnson Rehabilitation. Thank you so much for being here today. Before we dive into stuttering and Emily Blunt, I wanted to ask what made you choose to become a speech pathologist? Well, I went to uh, all girls high school, Queen of Peace girls high school in North Arlington, and we did a lot of volunteer work with Special Olympics and people who had disabilities. And so I knew I wanted to work with people who had disabilities. And then I knew that I liked to teach. So I found the this field of speech pathology, you had to have a master's degree and you could work in medical speech pathology. So I liked sort of combining working in a hospital and working with people who had disabilities. Um, And I've been doing it since 1981. So you are an expert. I am an expert, I think. Um, For sure, I have the years of experience. And um, it's actually such, it's my vocation is my avocation. It's, I love what I do. And I think that The good thing about that is I think as a role model for my family, I think that they keep trying to find that job that you love what you do and it doesn't feel like work. Perfect. So let's dive in. What causes stutter in speech? What was difficult starting out in undergrad was my professor who taught the stuttering course did stutter. So I thought, how are we going to help these people? Because clearly, it if the professor who's teaching us stuttering still stutters, then this mustn't be something that I can cure. And, um, and the latest and greatest information tells you that stuttering is not something that we can cure, but it's something like a lot of other disorders at this point that you can live with. And so it's just learning strategies and knowing how to get out of those very difficult stutters. And actually, Emily Blunt, she mentioned how, you know, even though she doesn't stutter as much anymore, that once a stutterer, always a stutterer. So that she's always bucketing herself in that category, basically. I think that um, what we find is that when children are learning to speak, Um, that you sometimes by age three 
people will talk about the the motor is going faster than the language can keep up with. And so that some children develop these strategies to deal with that. And so most stuttering starts at about age three. Okay, so really young. Really young. And you want to actually counsel parents at that age to not focus on stop stuttering. You want to talk to parents about having speaking in a relaxing environment, trying to give the child the time that they need to say what they need to say. Yeah. And I feel like stuttering as a child is, you know, almost normal because the children are just learning how to speak and they're learning how to, you know, think in complete sentences and things like that. So this is jumping way ahead in in terms of where we're at, but when would you possibly bring your child to see a specialist like you? If it's happening at age three, um, and I can say that for the most part, most of the children we see start at about age five. So when you are in kindergarten, and I think that that's a time when children are excited, um, and there is actually something that we can try to do to work with those children. I think that, um, as you mentioned, not being an expert yourself, Kylie, but knowing that it does seem like children do sometimes get stuck. Um, A personal story is I have a now 30-year-old son, so 25 years ago, he started in kindergarten. And a very typical thing that happens in kindergarten is you tell a story. So how was your weekend? I'm gonna say it was probably October, and in his backpack was a pamphlet that talked about your rights as the parent of a special needs child. And I thought, what are they talking about? Yeah, and interesting that they would send that even home. <laughs> send that home, but it was 25 years ago. And um, inside, the brochure said, for stuttering. And I felt so blessed that I was a speech pathologist because I knew that he wasn't stuttering. And so when I questioned his kindergarten teacher, and again, great over-referring to a speech pathologist. And she said, well, when we had story time, um, I asked your son, well, what did you do this weekend? And he said, I um, uh, um, um, went to, uh, um, I went to the park and, and I, and so that we consider normal disfluencies. Um, He never made it to the speech pathologist for evaluation because I did refuse the evaluation. I mean, I knew that he didn't. And it it sounds like he was like reaching for, oh, what did I do? And I mean, even he's a young boy at that point in time. I mean, I struggle myself to even (laughs) think of what I had for lunch today. So... So those are the things that, again, I think is great. And so when you say, how do you know, usually the the parents are the first people to see it, and then they probably would bring it to the attention of their pediatrician. Sometimes it's in the school. Um, But there is no definitive cause, or there is no definitive, even at this point, way of 
um, diagnosing almost. Yes. So, so it does seem that if there is someone in the family who stutters, there is a genetic predisposition. Okay. My 35 years of clinical experience can tell you that often it's not the child of the person who stutters, but it seems that it's usually an uncle, you know? It's, okay. It's like, and even though the statistics say like three to one mm-hmm. boys to girls, in my experience, it's really boys and they're boys and somewhere in their family, someone has stuttered and that's the people who I tend to see in the clinic. The literature is showing that if by seven, those natural disfluencies haven't gone away, it probably is time to actually bring the child for a speech evaluation. Um, They're in the schools. There are speech people that work in the schools, but I know that to really focus on just that, it helps if you go to a clinic um, to kind of work on it. Yeah, for some one-on-one time. Yes. So in your clinic, for example, what are some of the treatments that you provide to these different children? So they're moving into adolescence and teens. There are some... um, like electronic devices. Um, We in our clinic had something called the Fluency Master. It is delayed auditory feedback. And what happens is sometimes you put that, what almost looks like a hearing aid on the person and it's magical. It is just what they need for that moment in time. So what does it actually do? So it delays the feedback. So if I'm speaking, Mm -hmm. it is delaying that what the person hears their speech to sound like. Um, And so when they're speaking, they hear themselves differently. So it gives them time almost to think through what they're planning to say next. Yes. And again, one can argue the person seems to focus on that and so their speech tends to come out easier because they're focusing on something else yes so once that becomes more habitual Mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't work anymore because it's almost like that's what the focus is so the conservative approach for fluency therapy that we start at age seven is go in easy. Take your time. Try not to do any hard glottal attacks. Easy speech. If the child does have that, those blocks, and so when I talk about blocks, it's they're stuck. They're stuck. So you say, take a breath, go in easy. My mother sells modded, you know. So you, you kind of go in easy and it tends to work. And that's the strategy for children. Children. 
And it, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that they're focusing on something else because one of the things that Emily mentioned in her interview was that her teacher actually asked her to do the class play because he overheard her doing silly voices and mimicking people. She ended up doing the play in an accent mm-hmm. and spoke completely fluently to the point where she thought, huh, maybe I have a handle on stuttering or maybe it's something I can grow out of. So it sounds like this is a commonality for people who do stutter. Right. The singing, if you, uh, another thing that tends to work well for people and why you have the Eddie Sheeran, for example, Mm -hmm. when you're singing, if you think about it, your voice is it's an easier onset. The words are more connected. I can't sing, so I won't do that <laughs> for you. But it's um, um, it's that easy onset. Choral reading is something that you know people are like. What is that when you're reading with someone? Mm-hmm. Reading in general. It's so that's why the scientists now are trying to figure out. What is happening in the brain? Because you know that you don't want to stutter. That it yeah, you're happened. not doing it on purpose, right? It's it it happens. And um, one of the things that I learned about was something called anticipatory struggle behavior. So, what happens is you're walking in to your college class and you're going to do a speech and you know so in your mind this is the emotional slash psychological Mm -hmm. component is you say I know I'm going to stutter I always stutter when I'm standing in front of a group of people of course I'm going to stutter and then it happens one of the interesting things that I have found generationally now with young people growing up is sometimes getting it out there in the first place is a wonderful therapeutic technique. Besides putting it out there, what are some other things we can do to support our loved ones and our friends who stutter? So I think that what has become very, very apparent is we don't say, okay, slow down, stop stuttering. You know, you just wait. Yeah. You let them get out what they need to get out the way that they can. Um, as speech pathologists, it's one of the more interesting parts of my job is that you find that the person, they do seem to really kind of push through the stutter, but that's what they, that's what they do. So I think the key takeaways are early diagnosis, early intervention, don't wait until the child is past seven because what they are finding through research is if you if you're teaching your brain that this is the normal motor pattern the older you get the harder it is to break that pattern oh yeah like any habit exactly exactly so it's early diagnosis early intervention and let the person be who who they are. They just have a little trouble talking. I love that. (laughs) And on that note, do you have anything else to add? Stuttering is one of those problems that come and go in your life. 
and that oftentimes as an adolescent or an adult, you just need to come back into therapy, kind of brush up on the things that you learned when you were younger, learn how to use those strategies again, and um, just keep using the things that you learned when you were young. Awesome. So shout out to all those stutterers in the world. (laughs) Yes. Thanks so much for being here today. Sure thing. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday, thanks for listening. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.